Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A win at Forest, a defeat at the Riverside against Blackpool with Borough two points above the relegation zone after eight games. It's definitely not as rosy as it seems at the Borough and we break it all down. And of course, we answer your podcast questions too. So let's get to it. We're the Borough Breakdown Podcast and this is all your Borough Match Day Chatter in the pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Welcome back to the Board Breakdown Podcast. We have Johnny, Dana, and Tom. We have the Board Podcast that gives you all the Board Master Chatter in a podcast. And well, a win and a defeat this week saw Borough slip into 16th place in the championship table with nine points, two points above the relegation zone. Uh, guys, as we start with all podcasts now, Dana, how are you feeling in three words? Deflated, dejected, and a little bit sad. But ignore the little bit because that's. Um... Too okay. many words. Okay, so interjected and sad. Def- <laughs> okay, yeah, I got it. Uh, <laughs> Tom, how are you feeling? Uh, it's groundhog day. It's groundhog uh, that's day. That's my three words. I think we just it's every week now, and that we're we're talking about how we need to improve right, every on. week. Come on then. Okay, why why are you feeling this way then? Why are you feeling this way? Oh, I mean, yesterday was. It, it just seems as though again deja vu. It's one step forward and two steps back with Borough. And we haven't ignited a run since, from my memory, the start of last season. And it just seems as though every time we take a step forward, there's something that brings us immediately back to square one again. And it was really poor yesterday, I thought, particularly in the second half. I do have some thoughts on the first half that we'll get into later. But yeah, um, I was really hoping after last week, because I did think back to our post-commentary podcast that we were we were negative leading. And I was thinking, were we too reactionary? Did we blow it out of proportion? But then this week happens, and I don't think that this week was entirely convincing either. So it's just it's just a little bit deflating. And I do agree with Tom there. It is Groundhog Day, isn't it? Go on, Groundhog Day. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, like I said, we're we're here kind of every week at the moment saying we need to improve. And, you know, out, out of the first, what, we've played eight games now um, and, mm. and won two of them. Like, it, it's not good enough. And it, it can it, it's carrying over from, from last season. Uh, as Dana said, it was the start of last season where we last properly put a run together. But when it hit January, even with all the new signings, it went downhill from there. You'd have fought at the end of last season, um, you know, with the new sands that came in, it might have picked up a little bit, but it, it just seems to be carrying on the, the same kind of vein of form. It's I don't want to look at it kind of too short term and that oh, it's, on, it's only eight games of the season because it's been going on longer than that. Mm. Yeah, well, a, cu- a, couple of, a couple of stats to, pull, uh, to go your way then because I can understand your frustrations and appreciate it. It's still early doors in the season, you know, 10 games you tend to see. The, the, the league takes shape, and then also December or February is normally a, a really pivotal part of the season. So it's always, but it's always good to have these um, emotions early early doors because you you want us to to do well. But the stats were in in twenty twenty one that Borough have only made thirty. Uh, they've won uh, ten games. They won ten games in twenty twenty one. They've totaled I think it was thirty nine points in twenty twenty one. Derby have made thirty six points, and they've had. 
obviously all of the financial troubles have had this season. And then also, uh, Neil Warnock has lost more games percentage-wise than Jonathan Woodgate did. So Jonathan mm. Woodgate lost 40% of his games and Neil Warnock lost 44% of his and games. And Warnock has had the blessing of probably better options than what, yeah. <laughs> 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 than what Woodgate had. Yes, yeah, so appreciate Warnock has a much better win percentage record than than Neil uh, than, than Jonathan Woodgate, but of course it, it seems that we either win games or we lose them. We don't grind out a draw when we most need it. So that's obviously when you're looking at your two point to game ratio, it can be quite quite difficult to be up there when you're making so many mistakes. But let's let's start things positive because I want to chat about see, the laughs there. But I've got a much better thing than make you more positive, and it's about we're chatting about Martin Bajero, which I think you'll love. Do you want me to tell you it? Go for it. Martin. Anyway, so anyway, no, <laughs> thoughts on, let's let's chat on Nottingham Forest because a 2-0 win um against against the struggling uh, Nottingham Forest. Chris Hutton was also sacked after the game as well. What were your thoughts on the win? Because it was it seemed to be a, a win that was much needed, wasn't it, Dana? It was. You can firmly Piero. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can firmly place it in the category of job done because I didn't think Borough were great I didn't even think Borough were good really but we didn't need to be because we just needed the three points didn't we We Forrest were incredibly poor but um, yeah the the goal that we scored really enjoyed it I liked the move as a whole from Dykesdale's tackle Tav Tav's little dribble past a, a very, I think you could call it a half ass tackle from Lewis Graben. And then, I mean, the fact that you spotted the run of of Spira and the finish was the epitome of emphatic, wasn't it? It was a really good finish. So, yeah, that was a, a good goal. And, of course, we have to talk about Onel Hernandez's celebration. It was just glorious, wasn't it? Should Housery at its finest. But then Andres Spira, his first goal and his first start. Um, given that you wrote a very detailed analysis on, on Spira, um I'm assuming his performance must not have been a surprise for you, right? No, not particularly. He obviously made those runs between the centre halves and down the sides of them, which I think we need to come to to expect. And we've already seen it really in the past uh, couple of games that he's been involved. And he he's someone that wants the ball played to feet. You can see him when he's signalling for the ball being played in front of him. My only issue with him, and it's, well, actually it's not with him, it's more with the, the service that we give him. We can't be just pinging balls forward to him like we were in the first 20 minutes against Forrest because although I think he does have a physical part of his game, he's not the type of striker whose strengths lie in taking balls down from... Mm. Yeah, essentially, and yeah. uh, and bringing them down like a target man. I don't think he's a target man. He's somebody that has acceleration to just move beyond and in behind. Um, but yeah, he did he did well. That was a good finish, and a little bit disappointed that we didn't give him that type of service again because there were chances for us to do that in that game. But there's definitely something really exciting about Spira. Yeah, well, how do you think he compares Gonsuche then? Is he, is he a completely different striker, would you say? Like, I know you mentioned in there, target man for, for Uche, but then mm. do you think Spira would, would maybe relish off, off maybe a partnership with Uche? Yeah, it was interesting when Warnock put the uh, Uche on with Spira against Blackpool. I would like to see that more often, but he, yeah, he is a completely different option to, um, to Uche. Uche is somebody that will pose a great physical battle to centre-halves and they need to be up for it because even when there's a player that's got hold of his shirt, he has the strength to essentially not really let that bother him. I think we saw that yesterday. There was somebody that was um, grappling with his shirt and he basically just spun past them. But Uche is definitely someone that's going to pin and commit the centre-halves, whereas um, Spira is going to provide that bit of acceleration, the burst of pace to get him behind. So, yeah, they're, they're two good options to have, and um, it's good to have two different strikers like that, I think. Two options, but I feel like there's a bit more quality with Spira, I think, in terms of technical mm. ability. I think there's just more yeah. to his game, I think, what Uche provides. But, hey, both can be really effective in, in a game. But yeah, let's, let's chat about um, Nottingham Forest a bit more, Tom, because... Obviously, they did want us to sack Chris Hutton, but were you surprised at how poor Forrest were in, in general as, as a team? Because they just seemed very lacklustre. I wasn't surprised, but that was only based off <clears throat> the fact that I, I, I knew that they were poor this season anyway. Mm. Went into that game fully expecting us to win because I, th- I thought if we didn't, we've got, we've got problems. Um, 
but I, I really wasn't surprised at that at all. I was more surprised just with the the start of their season because I I do think Chris Hewton's a good manager. Uh, I think we saw that at Brighton with with the team he kind of built there. Uh, he just hasn't been able to replicate it at, at Forest, even despite you know a, a decent amount of signings in, in the summer. Um, but Tuesday night wasn't surprised. Yeah, well, Nottingham Forest seem to be a, a team in. Well, in decline anyway, because I mean, what eleven managers in eleven years, and no one's been able to bring them success. So clearly, there's some foundation issues. But East Midlands in the mud. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we don't have to chat about Derby, but I mean, that string's completely and utterly broke now, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but Tom Onel Hernandez, obviously that second goal, the shit housery of celebrations, um, but a, a good, a good performance. Yeah, does he excite you, Onel Hernandez? Does he offer something a little bit different? I wouldn't say excited right now after after the two games, but yeah, he, he is offering something different. I do like the the fact that we've got options done on either uh, <laughs> either flank now. Uh, Second <laughs> um, one of the day. <laughs> but what, what I noticed from from him uh, against Forest and Blackpool, and and we did note this about him after we after we just signed him as well, um, is the fact that crossing really isn't his strength. Uh, he was always kind of looking to to cut inside and and play it across the face of the box. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say. The reason I'm not saying excited is because like Isaiah Jones in the early games of the season, that he was an exciting player to watch because he was taking his man on, getting the ball into the into the box. And although Hernandez, you can see he's got speed, he's got a decent amount of tricks and and, and stuff like that. I just want to see him kind of take a man on a bit more, not so much cross it in because it's it's clearly not his strength, but maybe pick a killer pass a little bit more. Mm, well, you were saying about Isaiah Jones and um, potentially playing with with two wingers. Why do you think we haven't seen that then? I think we've just been probably trying to play with the inverted wingers with um, you know, a right footed Hernandez on the left and, you know, left footed Tav on, on the right. Um I don't think it's <clears throat> necessarily worked particularly well against Blackpool. Um I don't know. I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to kind of see a little bit more rotation there. Um, I think we we did mention either last week or the week before that no one in the team's really undroppable. You know, Jones has made kind of a, a decent impact off off the bench yesterday, and um, he's on the bench against Forest as well. When he did he come on? Can't remember. Um, <laughs> it was so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Lots happened since Wednesday, but um, no, I mean, he looked. Um, uh, enthusiastic going forward yesterday. It's it's obviously what you want to see, but yeah, just a little bit more kind of rotation in the, in those positions, really. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think with with Jones as well, his his numbers are off the scale in that in in the first couple of games that he played, and it was surprising to see him maybe dropped on on the bench. But when you look at Tav, and I think of what he brings to the team, I think Tav. I know it's a team full of undroppables, but I feel like Tav probably is undroppable because of what he brings to the team. And, and yes, I understand that like his, his numbers aren't off the scale and it, it may not be that it's Premier League quality in terms of you know double assists, double goals this season. But I think what he brings is, is a lot more attack and flair. It always gets us up the pitch and it makes us a bit more exciting. Well, he's probably the most exciting player we've got, to be honest. And I think if you take Tav out the side, I feel like we lose so much. Um, but... For me, if if we were to keep Tav in, it's a case of maybe have to move him central, which, again, I don't want him to see him central. I quite like him out wide. It gives him more time on the ball. It helps him, you know, progress as a player. Because I can see him moving more, in like, inverted and more central as his career progresses, maybe more box-to-box. But I think right now he's learning his game on the right-hand side. He's developing as a really, really good talent. So maybe keep him there. Um, but for Isaiah Jones, it's going to be like a case of him or Hernandez, or maybe move Hernandez in central. But then, like you're saying, you've got options, Dave. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we got options with like um, with obviously with Pajero, Saliki, and then you've also maybe got Hernandez could maybe fill that void as well. So there is plenty of options. But Isaiah Jones, like it's, I think we should hopefully see a little bit more from him. I think he's on being unlucky to being dropped the last couple of games, but. All in all, you know what? He's... I would say Jones over Hernandez for now, and like I think there's a case to be made for the reasoning that Jones has dropped because of maybe maybe more him being rested than dropped. But I would play Jones over Hernandez for now, just because I think when you've got Tav cutting in from that right hand side, it's good to have an outlet. And what we've seen from Jones this season, particularly in that game against Bristol City where he was very tight to the touchline, I think he would be good just to give Borough an out ball, someone to 
you know, give it to. And, and we know what he can do. He can go on the outside and he can cut inside as well. So he has right in his game. So for me, I would play I would play Jones for now. Yeah, I'm, I've been intrigued by Boris Blair actually the last, couple of, the last couple of games because we are starting to see the wingers be a lot more expansive and on the touchline a little bit more, which is interesting. I think with Neil, with Neil Warnock's sides, his team's normally quite narrow, you know, and, and they're quite hard to break down and then you tend to attack in like a diamond. But for us, it, it, I don't know, it just we just don't really know how to attack at the minute, do we? Yeah. It's kind of very disjointed um, and hence why we probably end up playing the ball back and just hoofing it long ball and the channels were no one there. But the let's, the win against Forrest Dana, it was massive because, you know, it tries to build confidence. But how big do you think it was for us to go into the game on Saturday with with a win under our belts to try and take a little bit of pressure off Warnock and his team? It was important on Wednesday up until the end of the game on Saturday because you don't ever want a midweek victory and then have it not really count for much on the on the Saturday. And I don't think it counted for absolutely nothing because if we'd have lost that game, then surely having lost the game yesterday as well, Neil Warnock's position would have been even more under threat. That Well, I don't even know if, whether it's under threat, but there's definitely a change of opinion. Um, and it is getting quite loud about him. But, I mean, it, I genuinely thought that, thought, sorry, that that was the game and the win that would basically ignite a run and it never did. And that's always disappointing. So, of course, at the time it was really important, but it, in the end, we haven't managed to add to it with another three points after. So, it, that's really disappointing. Mm, well, the win itself and, and, and a few hash browns as well, if you want to allude to, to Neil Warnock and having players not having breakfast, um, it certainly did give Borough a lift on Saturday, especially within that first 20 minutes against Blackpool. You know, Tav scored, of course, and after, at the break in the second half, it just turned into a bit of a horror show, didn't it? Um, and the game really turned on its head. But the the signs were there after we after we scored. Of course, we sat back after after thirty minutes and we let we just tried to fend off our own box for sixty. Uh, why do you think the defeat was slipped away from Borough? Because they were in so, so much control that first twenty five minutes. Yeah, I don't think that we were great in the first half, and I. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people say that we were and I must have had my eyes stitched on back to front because I really didn't think that we were. Yeah, maybe like, you know, during that period in which we scored. But then after that, as you said, we just, we sat back and I said to my dad at half time, I'm getting QPR flashbacks here where we've gone in into half time in front and it basically gives the opposition an open invitation to come back at us after the break and Neil Critchley must have been fist pumping in the dressing room at half time, celebrating, thinking, you know, we've got an opportunity here to get back into the game. And when you give a team that sort of invitation, of course they're going to take it. I thought Blackpool were, they were poor in the first half. They lacked that attacking conviction, but fair play to them. They came out in the second half and they added that. And yeah, again, as I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, that window of opportunity, the other side of half time, they had a chance within maybe a couple of minutes of uh, the restart. And I feel like that set the tone for the rest of the game. And I knew it was coming, I thought, that their goals. Why do you think Borough looked so disjointed defensively then, Tom, in that second half? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's, that's the only kind of answer I have with it. Um, for me, like, of course, about a couple of years ago, when Warnock first came in, we were really poor defensively. He shored things up. And he's he's always been that kind of manager where... You don't really have to worry about the defence of him, but it's more kind of making, uh, you know, making use of the attacking players. But now it just seems kind of disjointed all over the pitch. Um, I just don't think we coped well with with what Blackburn, uh, Blackpool were were throwing forwards at all. I thought Josh Baller played really well yesterday, uh, kind of attacking the attacking the fullbacks, um, and and they were trying to cut inside quite a lot as well. What I noticed. Um, I just don't think we don't think we dealt with it at all. Uh, but the the thing is, after half time, I don't think any of the the players necessarily looked. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. They didn't look as motivated as they were in the first. Really, mm. I thought the on, the only kind of change there, uh, what we saw was when Piero came on, who looked kind of. The only criticism I have of him is he was too eager at making impact at times because I know there was a, a time where it was going down the left where he, he pretty much nearly tackled Jones because they were both <laughs> going for the same ball. Uh, but yeah, that, that level of motivation just seemed to kind of drop off from the first 20 minutes onwards and, and never really came back up. 
Sorry, I was going to say, do you think that's to do with the man marking? Because I know I don't like it, but surely when you're following a player for you know the, the time that we are, surely it, it weighs down on not just the, the physical game of a player, but the mental game as well. Concentration levels. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So do you think that could potentially be a reason as to why we do seem to drop off in second half? Because it's certainly not the first second half where we've looked genuinely awful. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think there's there's definitely a pattern occurring really with Borough. Um, I think when you when you watch teams now and they're in the play against us, they're very reluctant to to press and and, and they're very happy to keep the ball for for long spells against us now, and um, because they know if the patient in the delivery and you know the build up quite slow, we're going to be running around the pitch like headless chickens and tire out eventually. And by the seventy fifth minute, we're knackered, and then obviously we haven't had our hash browns as well, so we were even <laughs> more tired. Um, and then the game start to, to slip away from us. I think with, with Borough, I feel like they've just they've completely lost the basics and foundations as a, as a well set up team. I feel like we're we're making very silly errors and also like I feel like teams are finding us out because of of that really. And you know, there's a lot, I think there's a lot to obviously a game and people will identify weaknesses and there could be X, Y, and Z. And there's there's so much data to back so many different things in your opinion. Um, but for me, I think it is teams now that are just willing to hold the ball for longer periods. The movement, if you have good off-the-ball movement, like you see with QPR, like with Blackpool, and, and obviously with the better teams, like probably like Fulham as well, they'll, they'll run you ragged for, for long periods of the game. So obviously it comes back to your point there, Dan, around man-marking for long spells. Yeah, it can be really difficult, especially if you've got a very athletic winger or a, 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 at number 10. It's going to be really difficult for Borough, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean... It is frustrating because the what I think the Blackburn game we did relax that man marking and we looked we looked good. I think I really enjoyed that game against Blackburn, um, but I agree. I, I I don't. I just don't. I'm not really with this whole man marking thing. Certainly not every game. Yeah, well, with with um, sorry, I was mid coffee sip there. I know. Yeah, uh, you said that. Um, <laughs> with with uh, Blackburn. They're naturally a very counter-attacking team, so they don't want the ball for long spells, um, and they find that their best attack really is on that on the wide and trying to get it in, uh, create the space in the middle for you know for shots for Barrett and Diaz to to have an absolute ping from about twenty yards, and you know, hey Bristol, he's he, fantastic up top, and he so it's 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 strange. I think it's really depend on who we play, but I think teams that are very comfortable on the ball will be very comfortable against Middlesbrough because we just don't seem to know what to do with it and there's obviously the stat as well Dana Borough have probably the worst ball retention in the championship in comparison to, to the other teams so do you think that's maybe playing a part as well Borough hitting the ball on the long channels trying to rest and then they're trying to go again maybe the best thing for Borough could be to get the foot on the ball and just calm down a bit is that is that maybe the best route to go down yeah 100% which is why I think it was a bit of a Surprised that James Lisley he had forty seven percent passing accuracy yesterday because I thought that lost ever in yeah, his career. I, I thought I thought that him in the team would would change that, but it's been really frustrating the past couple of games. I've noticed it that we just cannot seem to keep hold of the ball. I did say yesterday, I wonder how long it'll take for us to lose it, and I think within two seconds we did. And it seems almost predictable now that when we get the ball, we're not going to keep it for long spells. I think our average um, passing sequence was was three. I'm surprised it was even that, to be honest, because it felt like every time we got it, we just lost it immediately. And it's been a particular problem in the last two uh, Saturday games because against Coventry, we lost the ball. I think it was 180. I think I said 180. Five, I think it was 186, just to be pedantic about myself there. Um, and then, Disgusting. I know. Fake news, one, fake facts. One <clears throat> misplaced pass out, but yeah, um, slap on the wrist there. But the game yesterday, we lost it 170 times, and it just, it just seems so predictable now that we yeah. just can't get our foot on the ball and keep it, whereas I think that's what we need to do. Do you think it might be like due to a rush going forwards? Because what I noticed yesterday, uh, I thought Blackpool were keeping the ball really well. And there was a, a good like five-minute spell in the second half where we couldn't really get near it. And every time we got it, it was just like one or two passes and then like just trying to play it a, like a, quite a quick ball to one of the wingers or um, or, or, or into Spira. Um I think it was only when I think Housen got hold of the ball and we started playing it across the floor and pl- started playing a few shorter passes at that point, we started looking a bit better. 
But other than that, like it, it'd go to say Crooks or Saliki, and they seem to just be going with a very direct pass. Uh, and I feel like that might be the reason why Saliki's passing accuracy was so low. Mm. What I can notice, like the Coventry match and that match, because before the Coventry match, I think it was Spurs Palace that was on earlier in, earlier in the day. Um, and Spurs looked terrible in that game, and I was watching them like they can't string two passes together. Like I couldn't imagine watching Borough do this, and then we've done it for like the last <laughs> last two days, uh, last two games. Sorry, it's looked exactly the same as what I watched in that game. Yeah, with Spurs that game, they had Heuberg, Skip, and Winks in the midfield, and they're all very similar midfielders. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that's probably why they struggled so much because they didn't really have like an outlet. But it's it's the same with Borough; they don't really have a significant outlet. And, it comes back to that point, just getting the foot on the getting your foot on the ball and just being calm in possession. I think there was a bit of play yesterday. I think where we had the ball on the right hand side. It was Dykes had the ball on the on the wing, and we end up playing our way out with trouble. And I think it was about five or six passes, and it was probably our best pattern of play we had all game. And it obviously came to nothing because it was just trying to you know play a possession football. Mm. And obviously that was drilled out of us straight away at half time. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> For me, I think with Saliki, I think that first 10, 15 minutes, I was get, I was thinking, oh, hashtag freaky for Saliki, you know, like, I'm, I quite like this boy, you know, he's, he's good, he's a good footballer, and you can see there's quality there. Yeah, the absolutely. Re- real quality, um, and his, his probably possession rate was probably crap, because, yeah, like, when we get the ball, it's very much right, okay, we've won it, um, let's boot it in the channels, Sparai, you run onto it, uh, Jones, you do something, um, I don't know, like... <laughs> That's you know, it. you know what it is like. It's just like it's just like sheer panic when we have the ball. I don't understand it. it you know, like, I think for, for Bora, it's it's it is a case of just relax. Like just literally, just. I know it sounds. It's very easy for me to say that just on a podcast. Because remember, it's it's, it, harder it's hard to play it's hard to play. Than, than yeah. to, to be fair, Johnny, you said it to me the other week playing seven aside. <laughs> playing up front you would just like take your time when you're on the ball and don't panic and end up scoring free like the game after that like. Yeah, you see, Johnny Bullock, <laughs> tactician of the year, you know what I mean? Johnny for manager. Johnny, Johnny for gaffer. I'm a new manager over here. I better renew my badges, you know what I mean? But um, <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 I think it's difficult for Borough, you know. There's, I think when, when you look at teams as well and, and when they play against us, their press is quite high straight away as soon as we get the ball because they know we're not confident in possession. And it's it, that's why we probably resort to like just hoof ball in the channels and I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an expert, but I think if you're here for ball on the channel and no one's there, it's probably you're not going to score many goals in a season, <laughs> you know. So it's it's difficult, and there's there's so many route. I think there's so many ways we can go down and dissect performance, but overall, I think when it comes down to it, I don't think Neil Warnock knows how to get the best out of this attacking outlets that we have, um, and that's not a, a bad thing on him. I think it's just a case of. He's naturally a defensive coach. He has his style, and I think the players that we've brought in just don't suit what he wants to do as a manager. Um, and that's putting it brutal, honestly, really. Um, but you, you never know with, the, with these things. It can change. And obviously, Neil Warnock, most decorated championship manager ever. But that doesn't mean that you're good right now. I mean, you, mm-hmm. can, you could be the best in class for many, many years. But why does a footballer always deteriorate as they get older? Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's you know you're never going to be on top of the world for long unless you're a genetic freak like Ronaldo or Messi. Do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously the game yesterday it did change as well when Tav had to resort in uh, going to right back. Um, but Tom, with Dykeshield going off, Borough now have a lack of options. How much of a miss do you think that be? And do you think it's more bizarre now that we let Spence go? Um, I don't think it's necessarily bizarre that we let Spence go. Um, Man of the match yesterday for Forest. I'm good on him, but I, I mean I, I thought. Going into this season, Peltier was clearly the second choice right back, mm-hmm. who has then had to deputise at left back because we didn't bring in the left back. So I think Dykesdale's going to be a massive miss unless you know Bowler manages to come back before Redden, which I hope to God he does, and then we can switch back to uh, switch Peltier back over to the right because otherwise we've got we've got nothing. We're going to have to play with. Uh, you know, probably Tavin Hernandez as wing backs or something, and you know we've we've loaned out our only wing back, so it just it seems back to square one, and that does seem a daft decision in that case. But you know, with, with the system that we had, we just we seem to be picking up kind of too many injuries at the moment, and I'd love to kind of know why that is. Whether you know Neil Warnock's having the um, the Patches O'Hulahan school of dodgeball coaching as as his training <laughs> sessions. Like if you can kick a brick, you can kick a ball or something. But <laughs> it just seems to to happen. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Far too often. I think it's it's been said before, like when when you're kind of losing team, you, you tend to pick these injuries up a lot more. When you look at, say, like the, the promotion season for us, how many people were missing with long-term injuries that season, like, I think it, it came out this week. Um, I can't remember who it was who tweeted it. I think it was someone from BBC Tees or the Gazette maybe said um, all the way through that promotion season, uh, Ledbetter was playing with, with something he needed an operation on and he waited until the end of the season and played through it uh, just uh, to make sure we got promoted and ended up missing like a fair chunk of the Premier League season because of that. But he kept going through that championship season. And you know, I think that that's what it comes down to. Like winning team, you've got people who want to play and will play through that. And then, in in this case, it it just seems to be happening far too often. Whether or not that's that's that type of issue or something wrong with training or or, or something like that, I'm, I'm not sure. But that seems to be a real issue for us at the moment. So you're suggesting that the players don't want to play for Warnock? Is that what you're suggesting? No, not necessarily. Uh, just there might be something wrong with, like I say, with with training. People not eating the shreddies on the morning. Like, <laughs> uh, Need to get on your Weetabix minis, Tom. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Weetabix minis and churro frappuccino, and then you sort it for the day. Yeah. But, <laughs> that was, you're you're going to crash in about 20 minutes. Oh, no, it's going to be awful. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, you know, the, there's potential issues kind of there. Um, what it is, I'm not sure. I don't work with them every day, but it's it's down to one up in the coaching staff to, to find out and put right. Mm, you were saying there around Peltier maybe moving back over, but maybe Johnny Housen, he played very, very well right back under Jonathan Woodgate. Can you maybe see him moving there next game and, and potentially keeping Peltier left back if, if ball is not fit? Uh, potentially. I'm sure he would. Um, it's probably not, not something anyone really wants to see, um, but I'm, I'm sure he would cover there. Mm. Fair enough then, Dana. Do you think it's more bizarre that we let Spence score then? More bizarre? No, I kind of agree with Tom that it's actually more bizarre that we haven't brought in a left-back yet because we had the right-footed Lee Peltier playing on the left and then the left-footed Marcus Tavernier playing on the right. So it was really, it was weird that he didn't switch them. But, yeah, I think it's... I mean, how long have we had to get a left-back now? It's When we bring one in, and hopefully we do then that means that Peltier is the uh, the backup, should we say, or the competition right back. So, it, yeah, it's definitely more bizarre that we uh, <laughs> that we haven't brought in a left back, I think. Yeah, well, obviously with Tav moving at right back, 
ultimately do you think killed the player as well for for yeah, I mean, he's our best attacking player and for me, our best player anyway. So when you're putting him right back, you're always going to take a considerable hit in terms of the quality of your uh, attacking player. So it didn't help. We looked incredibly unbalanced. I did wonder in the game, I was like, wait, who's playing left? Who's playing right back? Is it Tav? And then I was like, well, where's... And then I went to say Spencer and I realised that we'd loaned him out. And then I was thinking, well... Because you remember when we did that um, sort of squad depth and there was... Um, I think Darnell Fisher was out injured at that point, but then we had Dykesteel, Peltier, and who else am I missing? Spence. Oh, yeah. I think my brain's... Yeah, yeah, Spence. <laughs> uh, my brain just died there. Never mind you crashing. It was me. Um, but yeah, we looked at that right-back position and we thought, yeah, we're fine. And then suddenly we're in a position now where we're not. So mm. I'm sort of sat here thinking, how how the hell has that happened? Yeah. And it's because I think we haven't brought in a left back, so now we're having a right back play left back, so it's just all a bit of a mess, really. Inverted full backs is a revelation. Mm. Um, but <laughs> do you think, obviously, with an assist in a, in a goal this week for Tav, really just highlight like how much of an influence he has on this team? Oh, yeah, he's our best player, 100%. And I, I did take uh, offence, really, to it <laughs> on behalf of Tav uh, about a comment that I saw where someone said he doesn't get stuck in. I have never seen a player or an attacking player that is as all-rounded as Tav is in terms of his offensive player and his defensive player. One of my favourite moments of Tav is Coventry at home last season where he tracked all the way back and stopped a sure goal with a with a last-ditch tackle, I think it was on Matt Gordon. Um, and that was part of his defensive play, and that's one of my favourite moments of his. He's a fantastic player, and he's, you know, you mentioned that in terms of, or earlier in terms of goals and assists. A lot of people get sucked into goals and assists, but his underlying stats are very good in terms of the expected assists, the expected threat, th- those sort of um, metrics. He's very good. He is a Premier League player um, in the waiting, and as soon as he does add that uh, final product, he will be in the Premier League. Mm. I can I can really see him being that box-to-box midfielder in maybe one or two years' time. I think him playing on the right now is just really developing his skills as a, as a footballer, and I, I can only speak highly of him. I, I really, really can. Remember when you used to hate him, then? But I mean, just like... No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but like, it's, uh, it, yeah, he's, he is... He probably, and probably is Borough's best player by uh, a good country mile be interesting to see how he progresses in his career in the next probably like I say in there one or two years probably won't be at Bora for much longer but overall I think he's he's very very good but yesterday um obviously we saw Martin Pajero come in now he's overtook uh, Alessandro in terms of battle for more minutes um but Tom do you think his performance warranted maybe a start against Redden next week um yeah I, I thought he looked really good when he came on uh he, he looked you know desperate to affect the play and get us back into it because obviously he, he was waiting to come on as they scored their second so he's probably been more motivated by laughing and right we can't lose this like i said my only criticism of, of him earlier was probably being too eager to do it and trying to take the ball off our own players and uh there was there was a point uh where he was trying to dribble it across the face of the box looking to get a shot and then I mean if he'd have managed it great but he was trying to do a little bit too much himself um but other than that I thought I thought he looked really good uh, obviously hit the bar with a, a shot I don't think anyone was expecting to <laughs> to, to go there um and you know that that free kick looked decent um you know, on FIFA he might have scored that, but probably <laughs> not in real life. Um, no, I, I think he looked really positive, and I'd, I'd like to see him get more more minutes now. Would you put him in the eleven? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I'm uh, going. I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, you've got, a, you've got a nice little weekend planned, haven't you? Do you know, Reading, and then Anthony Joshua fight, then Elliot's coming back for one podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were surprised. Surprised me. <laughs> um, well, let's let's chat about Reading then. Um, but first, before we get to Reading, uh, a quick message about our fundraiser for the Morton Neuron Disease Association. We want to make a difference on the podcast this year, and we need your help to do it. We've partnered with the Morton Neuron Disease Association, which is a charity incredibly close to myself and my family. In 2015, my mother was diagnosed with MND and I saw firsthand the deterioration of somebody that I loved. If you don't already know, motor neuron disease is fatal 
and gradually takes away a person's ability to walk, talk, eat, drink and breathe. Thanks to the MNDA, my mother was able to communicate despite no longer being able to speak. Please give what you can to help them continue this fantastic support to www.justgiving.com forward slash the Borough Breakdown MND. Okay, so let's talk about Borough's trip to Reading. This week, we spoke to not one, but two Reading podcasts, the Elm Park Royals and the Tyler Stand. And what to expect on Saturday, starting off with the Tyler Stand. Reading's a team that's a little bit difficult to sum up tactically. We are very much a team that's in transition at the minute, given that we lost so many players from last season, key players like Elise and Richards. We've had players injured uh, this season quite a lot already. Um, and the players that we did manage to bring in over the summer, so six overall, um, they haven't had enough time to, to get really up to speed properly yet and creating a, a cohesive finished team out of that is difficult and because of that um, the form hasn't been good enough and the results haven't been good enough really until after the international break. I don't think that's any uh, real surprise given that we essentially needed that extra time to, to get players up to speed and to improve performances. That being said, Reading are predominantly a four-two-three-one side um, last season, the two in that in that team were more, a bit more defensive, Andy Rinomota and Josh Lawrence. But bringing in Tom Deli Bashiru this summer has allowed us to be a bit more attacking in that position, get a bit more uh, dynamic in the middle of the park. Um, otherwise, Ovia Jara and Alan Halilovic are really important um, wide players in the four-two-three-one, cutting inside from their respective flanks and. Uh, helping out with the striker and helping out John Swift, who's such a vital uh, number 10 for this team in terms of dictating the play and unlocking defences. Ahead of them is George Puskas, our lone striker uh, usually, although we didn't start against Fulham, that was Junior Hoylett who came in to do a different job. Um, but Puskas is someone who will try and get in behind. He'll try and make those runs and he'll try to capitalise on space that opens up. He's not someone who can really... Um, bully a defence, he's not that kind of classic target man who wins headers and holds the ball up in that kind of way. He's someone that really needs the space and he needs the supply. Um, So if Middlesbrough can um, reduce the space that he's um, able to run into, then that will go a long way to cutting off the supply and making sure he doesn't have much of an impact. Recently we have been playing a bit more of a 4-1-4-1 with all the injuries that we've had, it's been difficult to, you know, find pairings. And I think uh, Josh Lauren has then ended up playing as a lone holding midfield player with um, Delhi Bashiru and John Swift just in front of him. Uh, whether that suits them all, it's kind of hard to say. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot more defensive. Like against Peterborough, we, we sat back um, against Fulham, which was obviously a great result. Um it was entirely about playing on the counter and that worked quite well. Um, against Fulham, uh, we played Junior Hoyler up front rather than George Puskas, which, I mean, the result is the result, so I guess it worked. I'm not entirely sure that we'll stick with it. Going into this game, it looks very much like one that Reading have to win to really build up some momentum, basically, because the results before the international break were so poor, um, four defeats and one and one win, but we've really started to build up a bit of momentum after that with a win over Peterborough, a terrific win against Fulham and a draw against QPR as well, which was creditable despite blowing a two-goal lead uh, quite late on. So looking at this Middlesbrough game, it's a really good opportunity for us to say, right, we've put the um, poor performances and the poor results early on in the season behind us and we can really start to put some wins together and push ourselves up the table. At home, in front of the select car leasing with with a good win under the belt from from this weekend i'd i'd expect it to be a good game a cagey game um and hopefully one that we don't lose that's that's about my level of optimism even given the results this week um i'm hoping that puskas coming into the team and picking up a little bit of form although he didn't start against fulham um will give us that bit of quality and that bit of um incision in the final third but if he didn't if if he doesn't rather it could be a really difficult game for us and um, I, I guess because of that I'm a little bit worried despite a really good performance against Fulham um, coming into this game. 
is still the kind of match that we could uh, slip up in. And um, although I'm uh, quietly confident, it's one that could go either way, I guess. Okay, so guys, thank you very much, uh, Alpac Rose and Tyler Send for that. Um, guys, what's your thoughts on Reading and what are your predictions? Tom, do you want to go first? Well, I saw a stat this week. Um, they've got the most goals against in the league so far and second most goals for. Um, so it's guaranteed to be a nil-nil draw because I've got to take it for <laughs> it. So <laughs> there's my prediction. Uh, it's either going to be like a 1-1, one, one, isn't it? Because it's always going to be 1-1. One, one. Yes, yeah, statistically, over the years we've been in the Championship, Borough's for and against is actually it's a one-all draw. As the average, it's mad that. I think it's like 1.7 for goals for and then 1.08 for goals against. So... <laughs> 1-1, one, one, if you ever think about a bet, 1-all. Uh, but Dana, what's your thoughts on Reading and prediction? Yeah, I was a bit confused about Reading going into the season because after last season, I didn't expect them to be a playoff side as they once were last season, or, or trying to be anyways. Um, but I thought they'd be top 10, and they could still be, but they've had a lot of injuries. They've got Yakumete and um, Lucas Dow out injured, and then... Um, they still have some good players, though, to be fair. I really like uh, Josh Laurent in midfield, really like Ovi Ajaria, and then John Swift as well, of course, their their main man, really. So they've got some good players still, and so they've still got that quality. I definitely agree with Tom, though. It's it's, it's a nailed on nil nil for me. Okay. Yeah, well, seeing Ajaria's uh, turn yesterday. Oh, yeah. Goal. Very good goal. Really good goal. Beautiful. It was absolutely yeah. beautiful. It was a little bit like Mark Bowles in a way where he just turns it and then smacks it in. But a little bit more intentional than yeah, Bowles. Yeah, <laughs> Bowles probably didn't mean it, but Ajaria 100% did. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, but let's move on to podcast questions. And you guys, of course, send them in from Twitter. And we answer them on the podcast. And the first question of the day is from Luke Dana. And he says, why are injuries so prevalent in this squad? God knows. Prevalent. Not prevalent. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> what did you say? relevant <laughs> close but I was thinking yesterday Neil Warnock's probably going to blame this steam being emitted from the burger vans outside the riverside for getting into the players muscles and causing these injuries but to tell you the truth I really don't know um, and it always seems to happen to key players as well in key positions it's it's really weird I honestly don't have an answer to be honest okay don't Fair enough. Um, Tom, next question is from Ian. He says, are some of the players not playing for Warnock? Uh, his very public comments about players' attitudes, etc. may have ruffled a few feathers. So has he lost a few of them? I think it's possible. Um, obviously couldn't say, for, couldn't say for sure. Not being... I'd love to be a fly on the ro- uh, fly on the wall in the dressing room just to kind of... Uh, You're going to say fly on the riverside, Yeah, though. fly on the riverside. But... <laughs> <laughs> Be a deal fly, but <laughs> um, no, I, I'd love to see kind of what goes on behind closed doors and and, and know that, but we don't. Um, but I, I think it is a possibility. See, I don't feel like it's necessarily a case of the players not playing for Warnock. I think it's more that the players are playing the Warnock way, and the Warnock way is outdated. Okay, so the next question was from Ben. He did say, has the championship progressed in in the past four or five seasons to the point where our tactics are dated? Hewton was sacked, Warnock struggling, and Ben was saying, I thought Cardiff were going to walk the league, but they sit in 10th. Uh, then you find Huddersfield, who are favourites to go down, but they're getting results and they're currently 7th in the championship table. So do you think it's a case that tactics are getting you know, a bit dated? Yeah, I think so, because you mentioned earlier about Chris Hewton building a good Brighton team, but that was back in, what was it, 2015-16, which is a lot longer ago than I thought. I mean, 2015-16 to me seems like maybe a year ago, but it isn't. I need to remind myself of that sometimes. But yeah, I, I definitely do think that there's been a change in the championship and this sort of kick it and hoof it isn't as effective as it once was um, and I think what's being bred now in the championship is more progressive possession based football and it would be good to, to maybe hear a, an opinion piece on this or an analysis from I don't know Michael Cox or something like that about this but in terms of the styles of play but I definitely think that the Warnock way is getting a little bit tired in terms of the championship 
I'd have to agree about the the more progressive possession style uh, play being being more prevalent now. Um, I, I think you can kind of see it in the promoter teams when they go up to the Premier League. The ones who tend to do the best are the ones who actually play football, um, and and you can see that with like Leeds Wolves that when they went up, maybe not so much now. Uh, obviously, Brent Brentford seem to be kind of handling it quite well as well, um, but. You, you maybe have teams with that don't play football as well just come come back uh, straight back down um I, i'd like to kind of see us move more towards that because as we saw yesterday when we actually play it on the floor we can play some good stuff at times but it just it seems to be far too direct at times okay so the next question then is from nick tom and he says how long do you give warnock before we pass judgments as the rest uh, as to the rest of the season i think we had a similar question last week and we kind of said Christmas slash the next international break. Personally, at the moment, mm. taking last se- the second half of last season into account as well, I'd go the next international break. Okay. Um, Very short. It's only in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I, I think we, we've got some some key games coming up. That I mean, with all respect to, we should have been looking at Coventry and Blackpool and thinking we should win these. And although um, I, I think personally, they they're going to. They've got the the blocks in place to to be really good teams in in a couple of seasons' time. If you know we're going for playoffs or something this year, like everyone keeps saying, um, I, I've heard a lot on the BBC teams phone in yesterday, and Maddo was saying in particular, like he'd be disappointed if we didn't get playoffs this season. If that's our aim, we need to be winning those games. Like there's there's no excuses for losing them. All the type of performances that we're putting in. Mm. Um, so I, I think. We need to to put things right and do it quickly. Yeah, okay. I will say, just add into that, there was a post on Wamborough and credit to Teesider24 for this. Uh, they say in, two th- in 2021, we've played 33 games and won 11, drawn 7 and lost 15. That's a points per game of 1.21. Uh, just making sixth on average requires 1.6 points per game, which we are nowhere near right now. So, I mean, the question is, obviously... Playoffs will be the aim, but at present, I don't think that we even have the hallmarks of a side that will be in the in the playoffs. And people, the defense of Neil Warnock is that it's early days. This is a new team, but from what from my knowledge of Neil Warnock teams pre Borough, they were big on wide play, getting the ball to the wide players very quickly. And at Borough, particularly last January, Warnock was blessed with those options. He had uh, Balassi, Cabano, Mendes, Lang, Tav before his injury, Watmore as well. So we had the wide players Hmm. and we regressed. We got worse. So I don't have the most confidence that he's going to get the best out of this attacking, um, the attacking options that we've got. For me, right, and I don't know if you agree with this as well, it's kind of feeling like that last season under Mowbray, because I feel like we went into that season quite optimistic, thinking we'd signed a doormill and our team was looking a little bit more well-rounded and, you know, this is probably the season where we can push on and it just, it looks severely disjointed up until, uh, obviously, he, he got let go. So I, I've, I get the same kind of feeling at the moment. Like we've went into the season quite optimistic. It's a new team. We've got all these quality players. We're looking a lot more well-rounded, and it's just looking disjointed all over the pitch at the moment. Mm. Well, to give you a little stat on on average, Middlesbrough since they've been in the Championship over like the last well, eleven years now, um, we've averaged sixty-eight points um, in a season, and now the average six-place points is seventy-four. So obviously we're way off that, um, and then obviously appreciate 70, uh, 75.9 is for fifth, 78 uh, is for fourth, 82 is for third, 87 for second, and then 94 for first. Um, there's only <laughs> there's only four times in that in that space where Millers have actually reached that target to get into the playoffs, and appreciate that was under Tony Pulis and Ito Karanka. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you are, fun, sta- fun stats of the day. Um, but obviously. You know, two of those were under Karanka and then obviously Pulis just got us in in, in and thereabouts. Um, so, in t- next question is, is the pro- is the probability that this is Warnock's last job before retirement uh, going to make a difference to Gibson's decision-making to sack him uh, so he can go out with dignity? So, do you think is since it's Warnock's last job, Gibson's holding fire a little bit? I don't, cause, I don't know, because I feel like Gibson is one of those managers that will wait until 
um, probably the very last second to allow the manager to try to turn things around. But he has to be looking at this start to the season. He surely won't be impressed with it. I mean, two wins in eight, and those two wins came against a very, very poor Forest side and a very poor Bristol City side. It's not great. It's not a great uh, run in the season so far, and it hasn't been a great run in 2021. Um, I would like to hope that Gibson wouldn't do that and wouldn't keep him on just because it's his last job. Um, that just... I don't know. I don't like the fact that that could be a possibility, but you never know, dear. I mean, is it going to be Warnock's last job? That's another question. He has been saying that since day dot, so I don't know. But I'd like to hope that... Um, he's not just going to sort of let this continue uh, or potentially get worse just to sort of save uh, Warnock's Hollywood moment at the end of his uh, managerial career. Just to kind of add to that as well, we mentioned last week about Sam Morsi and said in, with this new kind of direction that the the club's going in, there was clearly kind of no sentimentality around letting him go. Mm. I think that should apply to all levels of the club. Like they shouldn't, yeah. all, although it obviously is a a big thing for Warnock if it is his last job that you shouldn't be hanging on too long because of sentimental reasons like mm. and, and I'd hope that decision's kind of more with with Kieran Scott now um obviously we, we've heard a little bit about his new role and saying he's coming to oversee all things football you'd hope management kind of falls under that as well I'd, I'd hope it's kind of with someone who's going to be a little bit more kind of ruthless there and like you say, just no room for, for sentimentality with it. Okay, so the next question, or the last question is from Tom, but um, like you, Tom, Tom, well, I was going to say. Uh, Tom, <laughs> just well, have you submitted a question for the podcast, Tom? That's what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next question would be, uh, what realistic managerial targets uh, should we look at? Uh, it's from James. So is there any managerial real uh, targets we should be looking at? No, no, okay. No, I'll, I think I'm going to take it then. I'll oh, yeah, go on then. I'll, no, I was going to say, I'll, I'll take the job. Oh, right. I thought you were going to say, you're going to reel off a list of targets. No, but I think people look at, um, I will say straight off the bat, Eddie Howe is not realistic. Uh, a lot of people are saying that. I don't think Eddie Howe is realistic. Uh, there's potentially Chris Wilder. I don't know. I think Chris Wilder was interested. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market. The Nottingham Forest job, if mm. I'm right, so surely Naturally, it's somewhat yeah. realistic for him to be interested in the Borough one. Frank Lampard's available. Um, again, I would. Frank, Frank Lampard, really, going from, you know, Champions League to Championship. He's not a Premier League manager. He, I, I think he needs that championship job where he achieves promotion. He was incredibly out of his depth at Chelsea. He's potentially a. Maybe a lower, lower half Premier League manager, but only off his own name, not because of his managerial ability. I think in terms of his managerial ability, he's a championship manager that could potentially grow to a Premier League manager. But he's one that um, has been mentioned a little bit. Um, but again, I'll throw Ryan Law's um, name into the hat. Really like the the style of play that Plymouth have. He did well, uh, very well with with Berry as well. Um, Michael Appleton at, at Lincoln's doing a fantastic job with them, but obviously they're two managers that are in a, in a job currently. So I don't know where Borough will will look at. Are they going to look for a manager that is out of a job, or are they going to try to pick a manager up that is currently in a job and buy them out of their contract? Mm. Um, I think that the latter what I've just said there um, is probably the best way for Borough to go because if you want the best managers 
um, sometimes you have to go down that route. Yeah, Tom, is there any managerial realistic ones? Well, you'll... obviously, if you don't get it, um, I'd, <laughs> I'd be, be looking. To be honest, I, I saw a, a post on Mumboro last night, and I, I can't remember who, who said it, so I can't credit it. We like have big lurkers on Mumboro, aren't we? <laughs> you are the Bora lurkers. But um, there is actually a guy called Lurker on yeah, Mumboro yeah, as well. Yeah, it's yeah. neither of us. It is me. <laughs> I, I saw this post, right, and it, it was talking about um, Stuart Weber at Norwich, and apparently his kind of approach to hiring a manager was to go through managers who've completed the coaching badges with the German FA because that's a lot uh, more difficult to pass. So I personally think when when it is time for for a new manager, we will be kind of looking abroad anyway. And I, I reckon Kieran Scott might take that same approach if it is his decision um, to to bring in someone who's accomplished a little bit abroad and completed the the coaching badges over there. Yeah. Welcome, Michael Colner. <laughs> well, I'm wearing an 1860 Munich yeah. shirt right now, so it's all it's all pointing at me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I didn't get my badges at, uh, <laughs> in in Germany. Yeah. No, I got them in Durham, but it's the same place, isn't it? Really. <laughs> um, but we'll go last question of the day, um, and it's from Chris, and he says, "If Grant Hall is the answer, what is the question?" He wants to go for it. You know, what? I'm going to be positive here and say a lean, mean heading machine. Amy had a machine. Because he, he is very good at um, at those aerial drills. He loves a header, does Grant Hall. Yeah. I'm He's go... just not very good in terms of when he gets turned. I'm going to go with who's got the whitest teeth on T-sides. <laughs> oh, you've took mine. <laughs> 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 you just nicked that tapping off Tom there, didn't you? I know, yeah. You are Dave Newton Dave playing Newton, for England. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I really am. I took an opportunity there and I've and I just seen it. <laughs> I had to take it. Uh, Tom, is there any other questions you want to go for it? Go on that? No? No, I can't think of anything now. You ruined us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, man. That, that's it then, guys. Uh, thank you very much for joining me as always. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do give us a five-star rate on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get charted and found by other Borough fans. And uh, We have been charted over the last few weeks in the UK football chat. So thank you very much uh, for that. But with one win, one defeat, and frustration starting to grow on side. It could be a bumpy road ahead, but this is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was why I'm actually a chair in a pod of the Borough Breakdown.